Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. You've integrated dogs into your personal brand. (laughs) You've noticed that? It is the key to this brand. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Loft Culture is brought to you by Away Travel. Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. Away Travel's luggage is designed with the highest quality materials and still under $300. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash glop and use promo code glop during checkout. And by Tracker, your phone, wallet, and keys. You know they're plotting against you, hiding somewhere, trying to make you late. Well, their sick game is finally over. And by Ring Doorbells. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer today. Over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash glop. Ring.com slash glop. That's ring.com slash glop. And this is Glop Culture. Uh, last week of November 2017, I'm John Podhoritz in New York. Elsewhere in New York on his way out to Long Island, Rob Long. Hi, Rob. John, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving, Blake. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. You were on the road yesterday afternoon, Sunday Indeed. afternoon, which is uh, said to be, which was said to be, uh, the most traveled Thanksgiving since two thousand five. So, did you have the horrible experience of the most traveled Thanksgiving? See, I don't. I, uh, I, I. It all depends on what you compare it to. If you compare it to a normal, you know, Sunday on the ninety-five or the Turnpike coming up from Maryland to uh, New York, then it was really bad. If you compare it to the hellstorm that I was in on Wednesday afternoon leaving uh, Manhattan and trying to get on the freeway, um, then it was a a barn dance, a piece of cake, because that was a a genuine hellscape. Well, that is is the worst. We actually traveled. We went to Chicago. We went – Thanksgiving morning at 8.30 on a plane from LaGuardia, and then we came back Saturday night at 6.30 from O'Hare, and it was a breeze. It was fantastic. Like, no line at security. Airport was calm and pleasant. Uh, You know, parking was easy. Everything was great. Jonah Goldberg in Washington. How was your Thanksgiving? I was wondering whether you were just giving me the cold shoulder again. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, You know, because you are publicly so bitter about my podcast success over yours but we don't need to get into that at least not till oh, we, till we later. will we will get it. Was it but wait can i clarify something was it podcast success i thought it was who was better at twitter oh well but you know i'm, I'm sort of like oprah or martha stewart i i succeed on multi fronts at oh, least on right. the front 
the fronts that John cares about. And so uh, I fail on all sorts of fronts, but they're the same places that John fails. So it's like, you know, the 100-yard dash. He's constantly, like, attacking me and attacking his own employees if they say something nice about me on Twitter. That's, that's correct. Can I, be brand can I say something? Here at Commentary, yeah. the Commentary Magazine podcast, which has oh, – wait. Unbelievably great reviews on on iTunes, by the way, in which everyone from <laughs> Would you on iTunes and now review. Everyone's and saying, we get yeah. we get these good reviews without dog pictures. That's the central point here: is that right. is that Jonah is falsely ginning up success in the iTunes reviews universe with the this is a classic of dog a classic pictures. glop culture uh, topic. Because what you are what you are crowing about, uh, John, is something that we in show business roll our eyes at, which is the <laughs> critics love us. What <laughs> matters in real life is that people listen and that they buy a Casper mattress or a fantastic away suitcase or yeah, they use ZipRecruiter. Any of any of the fine um, uh, advertisers and supporters we have. At, our, at the Ricochet Audio Network. So all that stuff is like, uh, yeah, 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 critics, this, critics, that. By the way, not critics. They're people that you say, hey, like us on iTunes. Um, uh, but it really comes down to the numbers. But, but, but I actually find when you two compete, I, th- I find it adorable. I, 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 good, I am good just, audio. Uh, I am just, I will only say this, people, you can Google Jack Benny and Fred Allen. I'm not going to say why, but if you Google Jack Benny and Fred <laughs> Allen, you will get some sense of what it is that's going on here. Anyway, Jonah, your Thanksgiving. Yeah, so, so my you Thanksgiving New York. was, you it was New lovely. York. I was in New York. We stayed at my um, my mother's Cliffside Airy in Weehawken, New Jersey, and um, this is quite a house, you guys. By the way, you should know uh, Jonah's mom lives literally above. The helix that leads into the Lincoln Tunnel. Yes. Her porch, you can watch as hundreds of thousands of people mired in traffic, curse their very existences, desperately trying to get to the toll booth just to somehow get themselves into New York and possibly rob himself, although he probably went through the Holland Tunnel. I live the Holland, yeah. But I've been in that curlicue. I have been in that curlicue. So it is true. Like You can sit there with a cocktail on a nice summer or spring day. And you are lifted um, rapturously by the wafting white noise of schadenfreude coming up <laughs> from the traffic below. And um, I don't know if I've ever told this story on, on here, but um, so for years, um, my parents tried to figure out the whole country house thing, you know, and – uh, we couldn't afford some grand manse in the Hamptons or anything like that, but we would rent places here or there, and we tried to having a boat, tried to upstate New York. Nothing really fit because my dad's idea of vacation was like either going to Europe to look at museums or going to the other side of the couch to read a different book or magazine. <laughs> and um, my mom's idea of vacation was sitting on a porch and reading a stack of like Vanity Fairs and fun novels and biographies and stuff, and. Um, the only thing that really linked these am- a- vacation ambitions was fondness for um, um, uh, martinis and various other liquors. And so for years, they couldn't figure it out. Nothing really worked. And then the year my daughter was born, I get a call from my parents saying, Jonah, we finally found our country house. 
And it is this house, as John says, which my mom has put a lot of work in. And it's really this amazingly weird, funky, cool place in the cliffs of Weehawken, New Jersey, about a mile from where Hamilton had his duel. And what they would do for years when my dad was still alive is they would load up the beach bag with like Zabar's and the Sunday New York Times. And they would, quote, drive out to the country. Yes. <laughs> On top so of you need to list. explain. You need to explain what this means. This means that they would drive from 84th Street and Broadway down the west side down, highway. West, down the west side to 40th Street. That's two miles, and right. then into the Lincoln Tunnel, which then, is about a mile and a half, and then up the hill and into the driveway for a total travel distance of four miles. Yeah, four to four, four to five miles. Yeah, and so four and a half and then, miles. And then they would load up, you know, they would take their beach bag and they would decant it on the deck and they would read the times and they would, you know, take out a book. Maybe they go inside and watch a movie and then they go back to watch the sunset. And then, you know, in early evening after a cocktail, whatever, my dad would say, huh, we better get we better get in the car and head back to the city. So we can beat the traffic that we can see. <laughs> it, it, beat the traffic it. that you can see. You can see it. Right. You can see it building up. You could say, yeah. oh, we, if we leave it. If we leave. Anyway, it was, it is, and your mom did. She put us, she put a third floor on the house. She put an elevator in the house. She made two decks. I mean, it is a fantastic, weird, airy. And but I mean and and now she lives there full time. So yeah, it's full of cats and yeah. uh, very expensive cats. And so anyway, that's where I had Thanksgiving uh, because we're we're going out of town for Christmas, and so we just reversed the order that we usually do. And um, had a lovely time with my mom and saw Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway with my daughter. Oh, and, we, we should talk about that. Yeah, we uh, should. Sure, let's talk about that. Did you enjoy it? I did, Rob. Thank you for asking. Um, it was, I mean, uh, I didn't really understand what it was about. I, I, I had looked for tickets a month ago on like StubHub right. and they were like $1,800 a piece. And I was, right. my daughter is like, loves Broadway musical stuff, musical theater stuff. And, um, but I was just like, I can't, I can't afford to drop that kind of schmundo, um, right. despite all the serious podcast cheese that's coming in these days. And so I, uh. Now, just, hey, go, did your daughter know the story? Did she know the, Did she know about it? Was it? Well, she knows all about it. All her little all friends about yeah, all, all know about it, it right? Yeah. And so we, um, uh, but then on on literally on what was it? Friday morning, uh, I just looked at StubHub and I figured if someone still hadn't sold their tickets, they're going to sell them cheap because right. otherwise they're just going to eat them. And I got them for you know a tenth, you know, not quite a tenth, but a fifteen percent of what the had been a month ago, and so we went into the city and we saw it. And if you had told me that you could successfully pitch an upbeat, cheery, funny musical about teen suicide, I would have been um, surprised. But it, uh-huh. it works. You, 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 so it works. You for, it works. For the you, first it works. The first act or the first half is really yeah. fantastic. Right. And as I was saying to John in the build-up to this, uh, the problem is you get increasingly filled with dread. Because you know that all of the lies that are setting up the whole thing 
have to get unwound and all the bills right. have to come. Right. So we should we should explain to the 99 percent of people listening to this who never go to the theater and may never even have heard of Dear Evan Hansen that this is a musical about a teenage boy who starts spinning a lie about having been the close friend of a classmate who committed suicide. And as he's a the kid, Evan Hansen, is an outsider, uh, painfully shy, awkward, who suddenly starts getting popular and respected and gets a girlfriend because of his wonderful championing of the importance of this kid who was actually uh, mean and a bully to him. And uh, and what happens then when he has to reveal to everybody that, in fact, this was not this this friendship that uh, has elevated him to the st- status of a of actually of a social media celebrity. Right. This friendship never existed. So and it's and a this very is not really unusual. a spoiler because yeah. it's so obvious from yeah. the man, yeah. Yeah. let go that that's what the plot has to go. Right. And I hated it. Did you really? No, I didn't hate it. I, I just, I just, it, 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 it I, I wanted to love it because, of course, it's this big thing and everybody loves it. And um, I just, I just thought it was the worst kind of after-school special nonsense, and so lazy in places that I found that I think the lazy, a couple lazy things in it ruined it for me. The there's and these are not spoilers; these are just things that happen. The the guy that plays the Evan Hansen guy, or no, yeah, Evan Hansen guy, he's like sort of outsider, but in addition to being outsider, he's on anti-anxiety medications, which you don't believe for a minute, and he itches himself. It's, just, it's so boring and done. And then you know, it's not enough that his mo- he's got a single mom who works as a waitress to try to, or whatever she does. Nurse uh, she's a nurse. She's a nurse, nurse assistant. Yeah, give me a break. And going uh, to, to be a paralegal. Yeah, yeah blah, blah, blah. Of course, because she, she's going to make it. Uh, it's it, <laughs> it, it, In addition to all that, his dad had to have left his mom for a cocktail waitress. That's, what, that's the line in the play they allow a person to say. My dad is in Denver with his cocktail waitress, which to me is a, that is a capital crime. Five more minutes on this. It was all so, and then there's this uh, truly, truly awful, bone crushing, uh, trying to I try to climb into the seat, embarrassing number where the father of the dead boy who they never connected because the father's a macho man and he wanted to give his son a baseball glove in the workshop, <laughs> in the garage where they did woodworking. I swear this thing was written by Martians. And then he sings a song about the baseball glove. How you, oh, I wish I told my son. It's awful. Awful. I, Absolutely I, unforgivably bad moments in that play ruined it. agree. You are wrong. Very heartily. I may be wrong, but I still Your disagree. opinion is incorrect. Uh, my opinion, I am not going to defend an opinion. What I will say is that here are the things that I would say about it, one of which is that because I have daughters who are 13 and 11, I have listened to the score roughly 200,000 times in the year since we saw it or where, however long it's been. And um, it stands up. The score really stands up. There are six or seven fantastic songs in it so that it's not like when they say – put it on you want to die because your your head is going to explode from how annoying it is that's number one number two unlike rob and jonah so rob didn't like it and jonah didn't see 
Ben Platt, the original star, because he left the show three weeks ago, which is why the tickets were going for $2,000 when they were going for $2,000. But this was uh, one of the... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Great stage performances. I or most anybody uh. else has ever seen. One of these things that uh. people talk about 50 years from now. And third. How bad it is they'll talk about. And third. <laughs> mannered, overdone. It, it, Third, what is interesting is that this is a show, as Jonah said, like, as I described it, like, you don't think, Jonah said to me before the show, like, imagine the pitch meeting for this show. See, there's this, there's this incredibly shy kid and a kid commits suicide and he lies about how he was his friend. And you're like, how on earth did this ever get to the stage? And it is an enormous hit. It's enormous hit because it's a musical about people ordinary people living in america it's not about you know it's it, it's a it's a it's an unusual heartfelt thing yeah. that rob yeah. has no heart is all i'm saying rob has no heart and it's i just, do i still it's, it's an after school special of, of, of grade z after school special okay five more minutes on those bad not, things and i saw it with ben platt and it was just so ugh, come on how about took it down a notch a little bit he went to 11 with the itching and the thing and the pills. Okay, they can I appear? I mean, it's just terrible. Okay, I want to give you. Terrible. I want to give you a fascinating inside uh, scoop, a view of my of the tunnel vision of my life, if I could. So, uh, my wife Ayala is the went for 10 years as a camper and a counselor to a camp called Ramah in Wisconsin, which is a, a Jewish day camp run by the conservative movement. Her father, Bert, Neocons. Her father, Bert, was the camp director both of Ramah and then the national director of Ramah. In 1949, there's a, this is going somewhere. In 1949, <laughs> Wait, Bert Cohen, that, that is not a promising opener. In 1949, <laughs> Bert Cohen. How Bert, many? Okay, let me finish. Okay. Bert Cohen, <laughs> later to be my father-in-law, was a counselor at Ramah, Wisconsin. Sharing a sleeping porch with none other than my father, Norman Pudhortz, who was the dramatics counselor at Ramah, Wisconsin. At Ramah, Wisconsin, Bert Cohen met Bobby, his wife, and thus Ayala 
uh, came to be. And uh, Ben Platt is a 10-year graduate of the Ramah Camping System, uh, Ramah, Ojai, in California. Aside from him, two other Ramah campers, Ethan Slater, now playing SpongeBob in SpongeBob the Musical, and Cassie Levy, uh, who will be Elsa in Frozen in about three months on Broadway. These three people, all Broadway stars from the same conservative Jewish camp where they performed musicals like my daughters who are going to this camp, like my wife and like them in Hebrew. So the Ben Platt singing in Hebrew, my daughter Shana was Willy Wonka singing pure imagination in Hebrew. And this is the training ground now for the Broadway stars of the future. That's my, that's my deep connection to Ben Platt and to wow. all to current Broadway. And having said that, that and seems, got my story in, yeah. it's an amazing story. That's all I'm saying. So uh-huh. if you want your kids to go on Broadway, convert to Judaism and make them sing in Hebrew. I that's will all. say this. If you enjoyed that story and found it riveting, then you will love Dear Evan Hansen. Okay, and you know what? Most people love Dear Evan Hansen. Now, you know what everybody loves unreservedly is away travel. And I'm here to tell you I love away travel. Away travel uses high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other luggage brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. Suitcases made with premium German polycarbonate. I was about to say bicarbonate of soda, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and very lightweight. In interior with patent pending compression system helpful for overpackers, four 360-degree spinner wheels, TSA-approved combination lock, removable washable laundry bag, which keeps dirty clothes separate from clean. Both sizes of the carry-on are able, and this is an amazing thing, to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else powered by USB cord. A single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times. It's a lifetime warranty, 100-day trial, free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. And remember, away bags and accessories make the perfect gift with our lifetime, with their lifetime guarantee. I got one of these. I've been using it on every flight since I've gotten it. The the carry-on bag is so fantastic that I'm usually the sort of person who has to check luggage because I pack badly. And this thing compresses your luggage so beautifully and you pull, put it right on, and you can charge your phone in it, and it is a fantastic piece of luggage and equipment. So here's a special offer for listeners of Glop. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash Glop and use promo code Glop during checkout. One more time, that's awaytravel.com slash Glop and use promo code Glop at checkout for $20 off any suitcase. And our thanks to Away Travel for sponsoring the Glop podcast. So, uh, guys, um, uh, the big news that came out in media yesterday was that uh, the Meredith Corporation, which publishes, among other things, Family Circle and uh, Better, Home, uh, Better Homes and Gardens, has basically bought wholesale Time, Inc., the original behemoth publisher of magazines in the United States in the 20th century. Um, and to the horror of millions of liberal journalists – uh, they're using <laughs> as part of their money, a third of the money comes from a fund, uh, an investment fund owned by the Koch brothers. So 
this horrible, horrifying news about the danger of evil conservative depredation against the wonderful, wondrous mainstream media uh, came out on the same day that uh, everybody in the media was screaming bloody murder because Trump said something about how Fox is much better than CNN and uh, more important and CNN is not important. And apparently this uh, this act of saying such a thing uh, violates the Constitution, threatens millions of journalists' lives abroad, and is uh, and is a and is the worst thing that has right. ever happened. So, right. so we have this. Well, this, did, okay. I, mean, I was that, surprised that Time. Ma- I was surprised that Time Magazine was. I mean, I had to check and make sure it was still being published. I I thought it had gone the way of Newsweek, but it had not. They were still publishing Time Magazine, um, which I found astonishing. Why? Why bother? Do you think anybody that's astonishing? It? You should try to read it. You should start. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, well, it's circulation it's was close to zero, right? No, no. I think it's still it's still got a large circulation. I think it, it was always doing much better than Newsweek. And yeah, I don't oh, yeah, say good, right. but you know, yeah. and they and they paid really well too, as I recall. They were like, uh, I did a couple of columns for Time and a couple of columns. I used to do a column for Newsweek International, and they paid like really well and on time. So you can't beat that, but um, no. I, so I myself, my first job uh, was at Time, actually. Uh, in 1982, I was a reporter researcher at Time magazine. I've written about this, about how you you just couldn't believe uh, what it was like to work at a place like that, you know, before the destruction of, you know, all media by Craigslist and the Internet and free media everywhere – um, you know, it was like uh, people staying in hotels when they worked five minutes too late one night and, you know, taking limousines to the Hamptons to, you know, on, on the company dime if they worked till nine o'clock on a Friday night and, you know, lavish travel, first class travel, uh, dinner, you know, lunches every day of the week at the most fancy restaurant. Ah, the light. It was it was amazing. It was and 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 it hasn't been like is, this for it, three decades. Right. I, I do have this incredible memory of, of being a kid and traveling in Europe in the seventies, and seeing that that logo, that font, Time and Newsweek, and and I didn't really realize it then, but it was it, it, they really symbolized the kind of post-war American international power. And it seems kind of fitting that they that both of those brands would be dead now in 2017 when we're you know rethinking all sorts of post-war American power plays that we had like the the, the culture itself isn't about Americans rebuilding Europe or rebuilding or war-torn Asia it's really about something else so I don't know it seems like a good thing that that, that it, it's being sort of squashed if it's going to be squashed at all I mean how how do the, how does Meredith ex- expect to make money at this well I mean, so, shut it down so i think it's worth pointing out <coughs> my excuse me my understanding is that no one at meredith really much cared about buying time they cared about buying the other titles that time inc owns mm-hmm. cooking you know, light like, cooking well, light sports illustrated right i mean yeah. there's oh, sure, some, right. some some important ones in there and people and people and um and people who need people and um uh I saw. I think it was Richard Stengel on Twitter this morning talking about how they they tried to buy Time Inc. but they didn't want Time in like 2006, and um, 
and then he had this non sequitur about how he didn't he can't imagine that the Cokes wouldn't try to influence time. And the funny thing is, is that first of all, like the idea that like influencing Time magazine <laughs> at this point <laughs> is like a major crucial goal of any sort of like nefarious libertarian political organization. I mean, who cares if you tilt Time magazine twenty degrees more to the right? It has it's like, you know, if 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 only we can get the the shop right flyer to write more about von Mises, you know, that'll change everything. Yes, and, we're going to put libertarian messages in your qual pack or your value pack. Yeah, and and so the and the other thing is is like I I you know I just the you know Andy Ferguson did the sort of the definitive piece for commentary about the the paranoid style when it comes to the Koch brothers, and I. He sort of he articulated my main gripe about the Koch brothers. Koch brothers like do stuff in plain sight for forty years now, and every time liberals discover it, they make it sound like it's some sort of secret conspiracy because they didn't know about it or whatever. And and so all they need to do is they put stink on the the you know the, the Koch brothers, and and oh the Koch brothers are doing this. Co- the Koch brothers are like candy for the sweet sweet taste. And they, they, they make it sound like they're so friggin' sinister. Right. And it's this private equity arm that they're not going to have a seat on the board. No, it, it, Time magazine doesn't matter anymore. And it's just – it's such a non-story. But the paranoid style of the left when it comes to the Koch brothers is just so ridiculous to and me. It's, it's another sign of their incredible hypocrisy because for as long as I can remember – all of my liberal progressive friends would say, you know, I, I uh, would respect a conservative who uh, was, you know, participated in the culture and who uh, wasn't uh, crazy about, wasn't trying to push us all sorts of social uh, messages and, you know, evangelical Christianity on me. Like, just if you were just fiscally very conservative, and they're describing the Koch brothers. No, I know. To a team. I mean, the Koch brothers appear. Criminal like, justice reform, you yeah, know, right. and. and, and and drug legalization and right. immigration, you know, legalization. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, the minute here's that, the other that right. person appears and actually also, by the way, donates to Lincoln Center. It's like evil. <laughs> oh, but wait, there are two. There are two prior examples of this over the last thirty years. So I'll give you one. In 1986, Ted Turner, using Mike Milken junk bonds, made a play for CBS. Do you remember this? Sure, so Ted Turner was then, then owned, you know, TBS. And he was thought at the time to be a big right winger because TBS did family friendly programming and he was friends with evangelicals and stuff like that. And there was such a hue and cry. And Bill Moyer said this would be the worst thing ever. And Dan Rather said this would be a terrible thing. And it was just awful and horrible and monstrous and terrible. And they engineered it so that Larry Tish, uh, who was on the board of CBS, took over CBS instead of Ted Turner. Uh, oh, Center also was running CNN. So what he wanted was to combine CNN right. with CBS News and create a synergistic cable and broadcast news organization. This was horrible. It was terrible. It was the worst thing ever, right? So Larry Tish comes in, and he is a a, a bank, you know, a serious money guy, and he eviscerates CBS News, which lost a lot of money, and you know, and basically has never been the same. So if Ted Turner had bought CBS. He wouldn't have eviscerated CBS News. It would have been the opposite. He would have built up CBS News. He wanted CBS News as – that was why he wanted it. He didn't want 
the programming. He wanted the news chant, the news part. So if the idiot liberals who thought it was just so terrible because he was identified as a falsely identified as a conservative had let this go through, CBS would have been strengthened, not weakened. Then 10 years ago, 11 years ago, something like that, Rupert Murdoch buys the Wall Street Journal and he makes a promise, as he did in London, that he wasn't going to interfere with the content. This was how he seduced the Bancroft family, which owned the Wall Street Journal, into selling it to him. Right. And it was, oh, it was a promise of editorial independence. He wouldn't go and do it. And he didn't mean it. And he wasn't going to do it. He owned it. He would do whatever he wanted with it. And what did he do with it? He strengthened it. He hired 40 people. He added new sections. Right. It, right. That is a it is a stronger and better newspaper under Rupert than it than it was over the. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last 10 years of the Bancrofts who were bleeding it dry because the entire family was living off the journal's earnings. And when they wanted more money, they went to the journal's managers and said, squeeze the staff. So this is now the third occasion on which a increasingly moribund national news organization with lots of properties is being purchased by somebody who supposedly has nefarious plans in mind. You know what would be great for time? If the Cokes took an interest in it. You know why it would be great for them? Because they would invest money in the product, which is a thin skeleton of its former self. It is nothing. There is nothing there. When I was there, you could make it readable. Really? You, you, well, I'm just saying, like in any case of a news but, organization, would anybody buy people, it? I mean, well, I don't know, but that's right. No, but if they decided they wanted it as a jewel in their crown, the Cokes are not miserly. <laughs> the Cokes put on. I had this image of the, the Koch brothers putting on crowns, like you know, <laughs> but, sitting in the Golden Thrones. But you know, David Koch is the sort of person who gives the Metropolitan Museum or the New York City Opera a hundred million dollars. Yeah, but that's different. No, No, but what I'm saying is he is not miserly. They believe when they do something and investing in it, they people working at times should be celebrating, dancing, full of excitement. That magazine is garbage and and is dead and has very little of any interest in it because it has no money. But super rich people like that, (coughs) certainly libertarians, tend to divide things in very quickly in or or very. 
very sharply into, into things that can make money and then should make money and then doesn't really matter how it makes money. You want to make it as most efficient way possible and you want to make the best product possible and things that do not make money and don't need to make money. So well, let me give the, the Metro, other wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. So the Metropolitan yeah. Museum doesn't need to make money. So of course give it a hundred million dollars because it's going to, we know it's going to do. Uh, Time Magazine is a, is supposed to be a business. And if it's not working, shut it down. Okay. Here's a great idea. So here, let me give you another scenario. So the Cokes really get involved in it. They, they shouldn't, and it's terrible, and they should, and they're going to do nefarious, concerted right. things to it. So what if the editors of Reason took over time? What if Matt Welch and Nick Gillespie and Catherine Mangu Ward and others became the editors of a national news magazine? You know what that would be? Interesting. Yes, that would be really interesting. It maybe it might not work. It might be terrible. It might be a failure. But it would be interesting. It wouldn't be this nonsense PC pablum that is of no use to anybody. So I remember um, watching FCC protests I don't know, 15 years ago um, where the signs were intermittently that these people were, you know, and who knows what, you know, you know, communications workers of America paid shills. These were, but they were holding up these signs and the signs fell into two categories. Um, we must have more, um, media diversity, less, um, monopolization and, and, uh, um, mergers in big media and Rupert Murdoch and Fox news are evil. <laughs> and, and there, it was always to me the perfect example of how, right. you know, like when Bill Clinton talked about diversity, what he meant, well, you know, in a cabinet that looked like America, he met 17 lawyers of different races and hues and ethnicities and genders who all thought the exact same way. And that is how the media thinks right. about it. And who all knew each other from Yale. That's right. That's right. And so right. I, right. I want to go back to one point, though. Um, because I don't know. I mean, honestly, I frankly I don't know if time is garbage or not. I mean, I, I take John's word at it. It feels like it's garbage when I see stuff. I don't know. But, I like your Evan Hansen, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I do know that CNN International is hot, moldering streets <laughs> of Bangalore. Uh, it is. Uh. It is the kind of garbage that actually you see the heat trails distorting the air as the stench leaves, um, rises up from it. Because I've watched a lot of CNN International. And look, maybe I haven't watched it recently, so maybe it's like a thousand percent better than, than it was um, two years ago, which means it is still the kind of thing that you use long poles to clear out of sewers. Um, I hate CNN International. I still think what Donald Trump did was a bad idea. Okay, so uh, let's just talk. Let's just right. go through that. So, so it's a okay. All all I'm saying is that it is a bad idea. First of all, because it's lowering and infantilizing and stupid, and it lowers the presidency, and it's a, it's a it's an embarrassment. It is also a bad idea because why? Um, because why? because. Uh, there are plenty of things that are correct to say. Like my friend Kevin Williamson, colleague Kevin Williamson, was defend, quasi-defending Trump on the grounds that – I agree with you. It is not an assault on free speech. It is not uh, – you know, you're, the president is an elected citizen. He has the same 
uh, rights that everybody else does. And if he wants to criticize a specific institution, he can. Um, uh, it is not – it's certainly not a violation of constitutional principles as everybody wants to claim or a lot of people want to claim. That's all dumb. But what it is is it's still a bad idea because what he is essentially doing is um, is telegraphing to people around the world that um, America – American journalistic institutions, which he doesn't done just with CNN International. He's done with The Washington Post and The New York Times and other institutions is basically just as unreliable, just as fake – as the crap that people will get in places like Russia or China and that free speech is not something really cherished in America because it produces garbage and propaganda that evil countries and evil regimes can then dismiss as fake. If you just think about what this does to the credibility of something like Voice of America, um, I think it's just a bad idea and it's just – you know, it's a small example of his pettiness where he is basically pandering – to his base, it gets him nothing, and it causes more damage than good. It's not like CNN International is going to be less garbagey now, um, and it's not like he wins over anybody who wasn't already in his column. But he does send a signal to a lot of places around the world that um, that Western media is is just as fake and as propagandistic as uh, as police state regimes tell them that it is and you don't you can't believe any of that stuff because it's not true and yeah CNN International is biased and terrible but um it doesn't lie the way say Pravda does it doesn't lie the way China state television does it is it is it is it, the mere fact that the, what it gets wrong proves that western media is better than a lot of that media precisely because it ends up criticizing our own government, um, which is something that state media doesn't get to get away with, but it just muddies the waters in all sorts of ways. That I think is unhelpful. Okay. Well, you've uh, got no argument with that. Mm, I don't know. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I was, wait, I'm still talking about your Evan Hansen. Uh, it's also kind of a weird way to use your, um, use your megaphone. I mean, he spends his attention uh, credit so wantonly. I mean, just a matter of sheer uh, politics and, and messaging. It's like you don't. You, 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 he has an opinion on everything, and eventually your opinions don't matter. Um, I, I would also say about CNN International that it is bad, uh, just as bad as Jonas says. But what's strange is that it, if you try, I mean, I remember traveling in uh, in Central Asia, and uh, every now and then I get the satellite, or I'd be in a place that had a satellite, and you could watch uh, BBC World Service, which is actually pretty good, or CNN International, and. I was aware of all the crackpot, infuriating, anti-American bias in CNN International's coverage, but to the people who were there watching it, they weren't at all. They 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 see it as pro-American propaganda, yeah. um, because of course every now and then it it, it 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 shows Americans living in America the way Americans live, which is extremely opulently compared to how they live, say, in Central Asia, uh, and it it, it shows. Even when uh, uh, you're trying to show American poor people or American people in distress, foreigners in poor places tend to look at that and think, oh, my God, those people all live in individual houses. (laughs) They all have have cars. There's something 
Um, even our squalor is better than some people's, uh, you know, opulence. So um, I'm not even sure it has the effect that uh, that it that its uh, editors and producers want, which is to turn the world away from America as an object of, of veneration. But well, there was um, a famous story about this at the tail end of the you know the Soviet Union. That the Soviet Union allowed, uh, I think, Dynasty and Dallas to be aired behind the Iron Curtain on the grounds that these were depictions of, you know, evil capitalists. Right. And everybody behind the Iron Curtain was like, "This is what life is like in America. Look how these people are living. What are we look? We're lining up for toilet paper for three hours." And- and it had exactly the opposite cultural effect. That, that, but it that had a powerful intended. one because then when they got rich, they all behaved like Dynasty in Dallas. I mean, what's the worst oligarch? But like right. Blake Carrington, well, you know, from my helicopter to my jet to my yacht to my, you know, and all those women look like Crystal. They're That's probably right. named Crystal. <laughs> well, or the Cristala or something Cristal, like that. Cristal, Cristal. Yes. Well, you know, guys, uh, we got to pull pull back for a second so I can talk to our our fine uh, Glop listeners about Ring. Uh, Ring knows home security begins at the front door, but doesn't end there. So now they're extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring floodlight cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, floodlight cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight that connects right to your phone with HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. See and speak to visitors. Even set off an alarm right from your phone with Ring's floodlight cam. When things go bump in the night, you'll immediately know what it is. Whether you're home or away, the Ring floodlight cam lets you keep an eye on your home from anywhere. Um, Ring floodlight offers the ultimate at-home security with high-visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. With Ring, you're always home. And Jonah, that wonderful Weehawken Aerie in which your mother Lucianne lives is protected by the Ring system, I believe. It is indeed, and so my mom will often, like, I will sneak out in the morning and go to Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee because I love you, Mom, but uh, the coffee that my mom makes is, it reminds me of that scene in No Country for Old Men where uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' dad says he puts on a fresh pot of coffee once a week whether he needs it or not, (laughs) and she pours this sludge coffee. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that like, is like the old Saturday Night Live, uh, Lake Erie water commercial, <laughs> you know, anticipation as it pours out yeah. like and I can't drink it. And so I go to Dunkin' Donuts and my mom always catches me because I pass by the motion sensor of the front door camera. And she was like, you know, we have coffee here. <laughs> and, um, actually we don't, <laughs> you know, you know that you know that our uh, Fred of Ricochet was negotiating with Lucianne for fifty spots on this show for Lucianne's coffee, and you have just totally <laughs> blown that sponsorship oh. for twenty eighteen. So I hope you're happy now. But she does use it. Uh, she loves it. She uses it all the time. It is very helpful for her. She's not you know going going downstairs to open the door and all that kind of stuff is a pain for her and she gets to talk to messengers and say, just leave it there. She gets to tell people who um, are soliciting for stuff or want her to sign something that she's not interested. Um, She can tell if it's some neighbor she doesn't want to talk to. She just doesn't answer the doorbell. 
Um, it's so it's, and, it's a great it's a great get off my lawn device. Is what it is. is. It gives her a great sense of security. Yeah. Loves it. So here's a special offer for listeners of the Glop Podcast: save up to one hundred and fifty dollars off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com/glop. Ring.com/glop. That's ring.com/glop. And our thanks to Ring for sponsoring the Glop Podcast. So you guys, the sex harassment scandals have now come to center on Democrats. All of a sudden, we got Al Franken in the hot seat and John Conyers uh, using a congressional slush fund to pay off staffers who claim that he got, you know, handsy and assaulted with them. And all of a sudden, you know, these scandals, uh, this thing is uh, far more complicated. Amazingly enough, suddenly yeah, the possibility right. of lives being ruined, careers it's being so ended. Simple, and uh, it's really not so simple, is it, Rob? No, no, it's a gray area, and I feel like we're having a national conversation about it. And to the extent that we're having that conversation, that is good. And maybe that's what we really have to expect here. It isn't so much about getting rid of people, this or that uh, uh, committee leader, this or that uh, senator. It's really more about all of us sitting down and having a conversation, which is, I think, very positive. How's that? I could do a Sunday morning show. I could so do a Sunday morning talk show. That was a very good answer, you have to admit. Well, that I, was really good. What was great is uh, so Nancy Pelosi is <laughs> up there um, with her unblinking, you know, stare because right. the, the Botox is, you know, uh, pulled her forehead back to uh, her shoulder blades and um, saying how, you know, the, the really important thing is due process. Due process, you know, is the backbone of our society, yada, yada, yada. And it is amazing to me and glorious. So far, I, I, I can't, you know, on the assumption that all the major accusations that have come out have been true, right? As long as they're true, I don't have almost any sympathy for anybody who's been accused so far. Right. right. Um, if false accusations are bad. Um, but so far, all of this has been great. I mean, like, like first of all, there are all sorts of people who called, called me and my mom and people on the right – horrible, terrible things for years because of the Lewinsky scandal who are now saying we were right all along. So that's, you know, that's pretty good for a Monday. But then there's, you know, um, uh, you got Nancy Pelosi, who's been one of these champions, along with Al Franken, for the most totalitarian, disgusting expansions of Title IX on college campuses, now talking about the vital importance of due process which is exactly what they want to get rid of on these college campuses and basically make it that all you have to do to get a kid kicked out of college is accuse them of something. Right. And that's it. They have no representation. So, but Al Franken and John Conyers, you know, they deserve due process. And so, the, so far it's just it's, – it's glorious as far as – it's just hypocrisy everywhere. And as long as you're not you, – you personally haven't been a pig towards anybody – and haven't raped anybody, and haven't sexually harassed anybody. Um, I, I know that there's a possibility of a thermidor kind of. You know, John did a pretty good conversation about moral panics on uh, the commentary podcast. But so far, it's less. It's less moral panic and more glorious comeuppance for as far <laughs> as the true. eye can see. Yeah. It's true. It is like you do want to pop popcorn and watch this. I mean, there's going to be some collateral damage, right? That's the that's always the, the danger of something like this. But uh, there is something kind of – I mean for, for, for one thing, I can't imagine 
I mean, I am not a good person. I am not saying that I'm a good person. We know that. And I may not even be a good boss. I may be uh, whatever. But I can't imagine behaving this way. I can't imagine behaving this way out of of sheer fear of mortification if no other reason. Like, I cannot imagine what happens inside Charlie Rose's head that said to him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk around naked. And that'll that'll seal the deal. That'll close the deal with this young woman. That's just crazy. He's a seventy-five-year-old bag of bones. Can you imagine anything worse? He probably looks like a melting candle, like the most unappetizing figure ever. And and, and, and I cannot imagine. So the fact that all these people are falling and falling in not. Not just be, not. This is not a financial scandal. This is not something that we can all relate to because we all love money. It's, it's this. It, it, they're being humiliated at the same time, which I think makes it delicious. I mean, Charlie right. Rose has been humiliated for his behavior, not even uh, reprimanded so much, but just laughed at, which is, I think, yeah. is appropriate. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact. <clears throat> think about this, that Nancy Pelosi uh, only rose to political power in the House because in the early 1990s there was a scandal involving the House Bank, which was an institution where House members you know, right. could uh, have this exclusive use of a bank that basically floated them interest-free loans. If they bounced checks, they didn't bounce. If they needed extra money and they didn't have it in the account, they could just ta- withdraw it at will. Um this came to light. Everybody in the in the leadership of the House poo pooed it and said it didn't mean anything and it wasn't public money. Blah blah blah. And basically, it was a key moment on the way to the um, Republican control of the House because it was the Democrats had been in charge for thirty eight years and they were basically just using institutions to make themselves, you know, as conveniences that were not available to the to their their bosses, their constituents. And Tom Foley, the, the Speaker of the House, what, what lost re-election, first time I think in American history that the Speaker had been voted out of office, largely due to the House bank scandal, which would precipitated Nancy Pelosi's rise to power. Uh, and uh, she now finds herself in a situation in which she could be taking power in 2018 again, uh, at, you know, if the election goes the Democrats' way. But here is another scandal, very similar in some form, where there turns out there is a slush fund to pay off sexual harassment suits and people who bring sexual harassment charges against congressmen. We don't know where the money comes from. We don't know who authorized it or appropriated <laughs> no, it. We know. We no, know, we know where, where it comes, it comes from. from. <laughs> no, but we don't know. We don't know what governing authority appropriates money for it, puts money into place for it, where where that money comes from and how many people have been paid off and under what... Can you what prove condition. that it's not funded by the Koch brothers? Can you prove it? Well, I Sorry, can, I can <laughs> prove it. <laughs> It'd be too So, so uh, now, of course, this, I'm sure, uh, reigns well, well, on it, all it, parties. It's got to be some strange... It's got to be some strange committee, right? The House Rules and Oversight Committee, the subcommittee on something, something. It's got to be some strange, tucked away thing, right? And and anyway, we're going to have to find out about it because that's what happens in these cases, and God knows what's going to come out as a result of it. But I think that's why Pelosi is being so 
defensive of Conyers now and saying that, you know, he's an icon. I'm not going to say anything bad about him, blah, 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 because, you know, she is now in a defensive crouch uh, trying to protect her people. So uh, now speaking of defensive crouches and protecting things and making sure you don't lose them, uh, let's talk about Tracker. So eight years ago, Tracker changed everything when it released its first tracking device. I'm sorry, you're hearing noise, I think, down below me on 7th Avenue, just south of Times Square, um, because some fire truck, people have already moved out of the way, but the fire truck has to keep blowing its horn. Okay, anyway, so Tracker released its first tracking device, and now they've done it again with the all-new Tracker Pixel. With Tracker Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things again. It's the light, lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. Place Tracker Pixel on whatever you tend to lose. What keys, wallets, anything. It's small enough to fit anywhere. As I've said before, I put it on my Apple TV remote, which is a clever little device, but it's little and it's black and it sits, it wanders off on its own and hides in couch between pillows and couches and you don't know where it is. So if I just press this button on my phone, it makes a noise and I can find it. So you use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds and it has powerful LED lights so you can find it in the dark. Lose your give, phone. Yeah. Give me an example of what a 90 decibel alert would sound like. Would it be like well, the sirens going by your window? Yeah, but like three times as loud. <laughs> it's, it's just like a. <laughs> okay. Anyway. It's like dumb and dumber. Oh, but it also works in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you just press the button on your tracker pixel, it'll find your phone for you. That's the other thing. And you can locate your item if it's miles away because every tracker user is part of the largest crowd located network in the world. It's like ways for fun. <laughs> uh, okay. And trackers turning money back I guarantee. just have this image down. John, like, okay, where is that Apple TV remote? And he goes, hey, wait. And it goes, beep, 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 beep. And he goes and he finds the remote. He goes, thank God. Now he's got the remote. Wait, where's where I put my phone? That's okay, me. You have no idea how how accurate that description is. <laughs> anyway, and Tracker's 30-day money-back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose. So here's a special offer for listeners of the Glop podcast. Go to the tracker.com slash Glop to get 20% off any order. That's spelled T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R dot com forward slash Glop for 20% off. That's the tracker.com slash Glop. And our thanks to Tracker for sponsoring the Glop podcast. So guys, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, Pixar's annual opening on Thanksgiving weekend was the movie Coco, which I saw in Chicago on Friday. Um, and I will say this, it is spectacularly beautiful to watch. And it, it's kind of like a reverse version of Up. If you remember Up, Up has the has this astounding first 15 minutes among the most moving pieces of filmmaking ever made. And the rest really isn't isn't up to it. And Coco does this in reverse, even though it's perfectly watchable and often occasionally inspired. The last twenty minutes of Coco are among the most beautiful things you will ever see. So that is that is the new Pixar. And uh, our our producer Scott suggested that maybe we should dis- we should close out the podcast by revealing our favorite Pixar movie in honor of John Lasseter, the head of Pixar, who is the most important person in actually in show business to have been nailed by the sexual harassment scandals. Right. Right. Which is, which is one of those, 
that was one of those heartbreaking ones because like they're always on these, I get these on these alerts on the phone and you'll look up and say, ah, Charlie Rose. Yeah, they got it. And then, Oh, John Lasseter. That's sad. Um, I was the one who told you about Lasseter. I think I sent you a text and you were like, what? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. It's horrible. (laughs) Um, I know. Uh, it is horrible. So, but due so, process is very important in this case. Let's say, well, really, he's an icon. He he's an icon. Although he he did it himself. He voluntarily took six months off to deal with his handsy issues, which appears to be the the thing that he is accused of uh, drinking. And he's and a hugger. Getting handsy. He's a hugger. He's a very yeah. big hugger. Uh, so, do you have a favorite, Rob? Uh, I would say. I mean, uh, this may be offbeat, but right now, I would say it, it, it's Toy Story Three. It's the last one, last Toy Story. Oh, the first one was, was genius, but the last one I thought was the most emotionally powerful. That was, I think, my favorite. It is, uh, it is a fantastic movie, and I, I would, I would, I still think that the two best are The Incredibles and Monsters Inc. I think Monsters Inc. is as close to a perfect piece of filmmaking as as there is. I mean, I don't think there's a like a a misstep anywhere. Um, so. And Jonah, unfortunately, we we have lost due to the exigencies of Skype. I think so, I'm back. Oh, you're back. Okay, Jonah, you're back. So here's my question. We were just saying we wanted to know Hello? what your favorite. Wait, 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 no, wait what back. is the question? The question <laughs> is what I was going to say. I was going to say that according to what you told me, your favorite Pixar movie is Cars Three. Because that, uh, that <laughs> see, this is this is why I can't trust you. We have a technological failure, <laughs> and I turn my back. And I'm going to find yeah. out, like, when Glop goes live, that John said that, you know, uh, that my, my my favorite Star Wars movie was, like, the one with Jar Jar Binks or something. And God, Godfather um, 3. Godfather 3, yeah. easily you the like best. You like Devin Hansen. Best of the Godfathers. That's what I heard. That's that's what I told people, that you love Godfather 3. Yeah, and, and that my favorite dessert is flan. Um, <laughs> um, that- that is whoa, whoa, just whoa. cultural. Is, that is that whoa, is. Whoa, whoa. What did Flan ever do for you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, dude. The single, the single best line from, the single best line from Wag the Dog is, I know two things. One is there's no difference between good Flan and bad Flan, and two, um, <laughs> there is no B three bomber or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, best by, by far best. Pixar movie is uh, The Incredibles. That's just a fact. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know, because of nostalgia with my daughter about when we watched it and how much she loved it as a kid, I would guess Monsters, Inc. would be my second one. Okay, but so I could you go. And are, you, you and I are in exact agreement, although I would flip the two. But 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 those, I think, are the the thing that's interesting about Pixar is that is that um, many of the movies are uh, have. 45 minutes of genius in them and then a lot of crap and people when they review them at the time always celebrate the genius parts and ignore the crap like wally which begin yeah, has exactly. a great first half and the second half is just garbage um or up i think which is kind of similar um i think ratatouille is a very problematic movie in the middle um but a couple of them are really like genius from beginning to end, and Monsters Inc. and The Incredibles, and Toy Story one and three. I think also, it's hard to yeah, beat fair. Toy Story one. Also, if you actually think about its structure, it's like so brilliantly conceived from beginning to end. It was really the first Pixar movie, and 
I remember reviewing it at the time and saying the thing that was so striking about it is that you could never make this movie not as a cartoon because no yeah. no actor yeah. would would no star actor would allow himself to portray weakness as fully and thoroughly as say Tom Hanks allowed himself to be as Woody and as as Tim Allen allowed himself to be as Buzz, which which I think remains the case. Like you would, yeah. Yeah. would Although I think you have to put in a word for Finding Nemo. I mean, Finding Nemo is a. I mean, it's not one. Of, I really liked it because again, it came. At, you know, I watched it so much with my daughter when. It was Finding Nemo age kind of thing, but it really is a well-crafted, well-put-together movie from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. The way that Finding Nemo 2 is not, but... Yeah. Um, None of the uh, sequels, except for the Toy Story sequels, are good. I mean, Monsters University is awful. Uh, the car, Cars 1 is not no great shakes, but 2 and 3 are disastrously bad, so it's not a great sequel machine, except for the But I, I have Story. such high hopes for Incredibles 2. Such I know, I know. Well, The Incredibles is just is an astonishing piece of work. But uh, if, uh, what's interesting about Incredibles too, or, or, or the next six months of Pixar workflow, is that Lasseter alone, among the people that are have been, I think, have been caught up in this sort of sexual harassment thing, he is irreplaceable. Or we're about to find out if he is. I mean, he is an extraordinary. Get, you know, leader in this, um, in that business, and you know, you can replace Charlie Rose, but it's yeah. hard to replace John Lasseter. Yeah, no one has had a record in the in the history of movies like Lasseter. Every movie yeah. that he is credited with producing, and I think it's now twenty one movies, has made money. Right, that had never happened before. It will never happen again. And even the movies that he made that are affirmatively bad, like the Cars movies, which he is credited as the director of, of all three, I don't like them. But, you know, they've made, according to what I read this weekend, $10 billion in ancillary money yeah, uh, yeah, off, yeah. off of marketing. $10 billion. I mean, just think about that number. It's, you can't even – you can't. Your mind can't even process that. You that is more that than ten times what we've sold in terms of glop merchandise. Oh, and well, you know, yeah. ten times. Yeah, and we were going to do a lot better than that. You know, if you hadn't insulted your mom's coffee. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. So, so guys, upcoming couple of weeks. What do you got, Joan? Are you anywhere people can see you? Uh, I don't think so. I'm mean, on special report on uh, this coming Thursday, and then. Um, presumably a couple other times, but I just don't know what they are. Um, uh, the Remnant podcast uh, is going to be is still going strong. Coming out, I got another one this week. If if Glop listeners haven't listened, I just I'm just going to sit here in the dark and cry. But um, uh, it hit 40 on the news and politics top uh, uh, news and politics podcast on iTunes last week, and uh, it's still in the top hundred. So. It's going well, and thanks to everybody for the support and 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 support John's little podcast too. It's a great, it's a great little niche thing, and it's and fun. he does wonderful things with it, with what he has to work with. It's really great. I will say that the remnant, uh, the show that you did uh, last week with Matt Continetti on the sort of history of conservative publishing and sort of post-war conservative thinking, um, is as good a 
both an introduction and analysis of this very interesting and totally misunderstood topic as anybody could possibly imagine. So if you're interested in it, that's that's a good place to start, though. I would also say that your your interview with Andy Ferguson, which was three or four weeks ago, was just like eating candy. It was so yeah, good. Yeah, because it's Andy Ferguson, because Andy's just awesome. Yeah. So yes. I, I, I take no credit for that. Just Andy's great. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, Rob, what do you have? I got nothing. I got a big fat zero. I got a show I got to produce the next three weeks and then go on big Christmas vacation for two weeks. Where are you That's going for Christmas I vacation? I don't know yet. I don't know if I have time to go anywhere real. I think I'll just, uh, you know, do something boring, like hang out with my family, have wow. one of those awful holidays. <laughs> well, I'm going, I'm going to Charleston in a couple of weeks. Oh, excellent. Weekend with my Very wife jealous. and, and then for Christmas break, one of the reasons why we did Thanksgiving with mom up in uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, uh, is that we're going to spend Christmas with my father-in-law in Hawaii, Hawaii. And, which is a wonderful place, but is the most difficult place to get to from the East Coast of any place in the world. Oh, God. Yeah. It sounds horrible to complain about it, but it is, it is just so friggin' far away. But it's 10, it's a 10 hours. Yeah, it's a 10 hours in the plane. Well, it's also the time zones and the coming yeah. back. You just you lose like two years flying back <laughs> with the time zones. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people. This is this is a world's smallest violin. Yeah, I yeah. If, if there if there ever was one, because uh, that that would be my dream to spend Christmas in Hawaii. Though we are we are going to Paris, which is pretty fantastic. <laughs> Oh my god! So <laughs> uh, I was I was Paris really was saying so much. I was really saying to myself, "Wow, Pod is playing the populist card well. Very understated." I will say by the way, I will say by the way that going to Paris is like literally half the price of just getting a plane ticket to Hawaii. Like the yeah. entire trip is it is uh, it is yeah okay that's yeah you're it's the budget choice John thank you yeah well I'm, 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 you've I got the be, you've got the problems of the ordinary Joe I really do <laughs> I really do you know I I will say that I I was having an exchange with a friend of mine on 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 Facebook Messenger one of the many platforms on which one now has conversations about how we have these friends in common uh, who now are constantly saying things like. Are you going to Snowmass? I mean, I'm going to Snow. I, I, I'm not really going to Snow. I'm just outside Snowmass. So it's like, what the hell is so Snowmass? Snowmass is like the resort near Aspen that is fancier than Aspen. Sure. So, so there's all this like, yeah, uh, really? I mean, is Joe going to Snowmass? I heard he was he was getting a place in Snowmass. I don't know if he's really got a place. Maybe he's staying at somebody else's place. And I keep thinking like. Uh, the really the lives of the top one percent in America and the lives of everybody else really are now ending. They are now in a sort of surreal imbalance. Yeah, we should clarify that John doesn't go to Snowmass. He just has to send his kids to school with kids of rich people who send their kids to Snowmass. Right? I mean, that's the distinction you're making. That 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 is correct and. Uh, it's not my fault that I have to live where don't I live. Don't blame anyone. No one's blaming stop, anyone. Stop victim blaming, John. I don't like it when mom and dad fight. No, but it was just sounding like that. that this is a problem that you have too, right? About whether or not to go to Snowmass. I didn't. Think I that have no. Problem. I have no. I have no such problem. Also, I yes. don't know how to ski. <laughs> don't know how to ski. So that really but solves that. 
I would think we should. Problem. I think we should leave our listeners with the delightful image of John Podoritz learning to ski, snowboard, snowboard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna that snowboard. puts more people's lives in danger. That's my goal. <laughs> that that is that that is my goal. Now that the Iraq War is over, I got to find right. some way to put people in danger. According to my all right friends. So it's great to talk to you guys. See you in a couple weeks. Keep up alive. Conversation.